It's like exploring a new city. I would say a small city with many, many narrow, uh, narrow, narrow streets. When you're just walking, walking in, in a maze of the old town and you're walking to one street and you're seeing uh, a picture on, on, on the wall of the building or maybe some uh, carvings there and they you're fascinating by seeing the, those things. And then you're walking, you're turning to the right and then you come to a new a small road, not road, but a narrow street. And then you see some interestingly designed windows or some interesting shops or... This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital, Kiev, so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country and invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranked number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine, top 100 travel podcasts in France, Switzerland, and Ireland, top 60 travel podcasts in the United Kingdom and in Norway, top 50 in Sweden, Canada, Italy, Spain, and Jamaica. Top 25 travel podcasts on Apple Russia, top 20 on Apple Poland, Belarus, and in the Netherlands, and top 10 in Finland, Romania, Cyprus, Thailand, and South Korea. So please keep supporting as we will reach together 100 interviews and many, many more. And follow the new Instagram about this project, Aziz.Future. My guest today is Daria Shepetko from a specialized English-Ukrainian school where she received her high school diploma with merit with a grade of 11.7 out of 12, to Earlscliff Sixth from England, a college with an outstanding reputation that offers university preparation for 15 to 19 years old, from all over the world where she received a mini-MBA in international business, to the Stockholm School of Economics in Riga, where she has received three different scholarships, as well as received the merit of being the best performing woman in the Scholarship Award 2020. 
banned from volunteering as an English teacher at a summer school camp to being a mentor at YBIT, Youth Bringing Immigrants Together. The core goal of YBIT is to help young immigrants, mainly from the US and Ukraine, to bridge their language barriers, quickly adapt to the new academic environment, and smoothly immerse into the local culture. Then, from being an assistant to the director of communications at the Stockholm School of Economics in Riga, to being a student ambassador there, where she conducted five-plus school presentations and webinars to recruit new students and research new channels to reach an international target audience with a focus on the Ukrainian market. Two, an alumni coordinator associate conducting cold calls for a prestigious fundraising event, the President's Dinner 2019, among other activities, to the Klitschko Foundation, where she began as a project manager and marketing intern, then into a Teenovation project lead. Teenovation is an online entrepreneurship program and bootcamp to help raise the entrepreneurship mindset and spirit of Ukrainian teenagers to now working at the SSC Riga Investment Fund, where she is the chief marketing officer. Daria believes that art is everywhere. All we have to do is notice. Maybe that's why she speaks French, that the world is our oyster. All we need is to be proactive and seize the opportunities. She also has worked as a model. She is a ballerina and a lover of aesthetics. Daria, how are you today? Oh, thank you for such a wonderful introduction. I'm very happy to be um, at this podcast. Thank you. I am happy, honored, glad. I have been looking forward to this interview. And to begin, on a more personal level, what has been going on on your mind in these days or weeks, what seems to be the thing that you think about most often, that you contemplate, and that is really meaningful to you and just swirling around in your head these days? Oh, recently, recently, I found a wonderful, wonderful book called uh, Grit and uh, Passion, uh, Development of Passion and Perseverance. And that's the idea that we're the idea of the book really resonate, resonates with my mind. And yeah, I was reflecting on it um, for a long time, how the talent uh, should be fostered and how the effort should be put to achieve success in your life. So that's the most recent recent idea that was twirling in my mind for a long time. Can you tell me more? Like, did you have those thoughts, but you found that the book put words into them and clarity? Or... Did you think that the book actually added something new and evolved what you already thought and believed? And if so, how? Like, what happened that seems to be the lesson there? I guess uh, it was the idea that was introduced in the book was for a long time was me. And uh, there is a, uh, people are often saying that talent, if you're talented, you're going to achieve success, but it's not the whole story and there is much more to it and you have to put effort into developing and fostering your talent and then you have to put effort into developing the skill that comes from fostering your talent and there is a common misconception that talent just the, the talent is the only thing that determines success 
but there are there is such thing as effort that you have to put and the book is just just reinforced uh, my belief in the, into this idea that effort is very very important and not only talent determines what your achievements will be in your life thank you that reminds me of another book by Jeffrey Colvin, which call, which is called Talent is Overrated, yeah. <laughs> which basically, <laughs> it speaks exactly about this, what you mean. And so on a more personal level as well, do you believe you're talented or you're much more of a hardworking person? I believe that every person has talent, but the, sometimes we fail to notice that we have it and we fail to realize the talent that we have. So basically, um, we have something, always something inside, but we have to put effort in developing and fostering our skills, and, in, in fostering our talent, and then we get our skill. Um, so I believe, of course, that every uh, and each uh, person has talent. And you just need to develop it and devote time to developing it. Brilliant. And I agree 100%. And even more cruel is that we don't notice our talents because they're too normal for us. But in reality, what is most simple and normal for us is what is most powerful and unique when other people perceive it. Or as Keith Johnston, who is many consider to be the father and inventor of improv comedy. He said, we are boring to ourselves, but we're so fascinating to other people. So <laughs> that's many ways the talent, that our talent is boring for us and simple, but so valuable to other people. And on a more personal level, you as a person, you work hard, you have that talents, you develop them, but you, when you want to really relax, to really enjoy life and feel alive and forget everything and be present in the moment, what's something you do that you really love? So the very, very basic thing is that I would go for a walk in the park and I would just try to notice different small things, the details that are making this life beautiful. I do like taking pictures and do like constructing this composition in the picture to highlight the best the best details that are there that's that's one one small thing that i can do to just uh, relax and yeah from all the all the stress that happening is happening around yeah let's speak about that so you're walking in the park you're noticing the small details maybe you're taking a picture making a composition that includes the small details. Can you share more about that? Uh, so it, that's that's something that has been um, with me for a long time. So I believe that sometimes people fail to notice many, many details that make our uh, lifetime worthwhile and that makes our life very, very beautiful. So we are always in this, uh, I would say, rest, uh, rat rate, uh, race, uh, when we are following our careers and everything, and then we then we're just forgetting to notice uh, some some wonderful things that are around us. So the sky, the um, flowers, <laughs> and birds chirping, and, and such small details, and the, such small details that they make our life interesting, beautiful, and inspiring. Interesting, beautiful, 
and inspiring. And if I understood you correctly, we are, many of us or almost all, in a rat's race where we're running, running, running and not noticing the moment. But mm-hmm. if we stop and look at the what's around us and open our senses to hearing the chirping of the birds, the breeze on our skin, the smell, noticing the colors and the details and the small squirrels and the bees <laughs> and the butterflies, we will have more of that inspiration that comes from nature. And I spoke about this before, that Desmond Morris wrote a book called The Human Zoo, where he argues that actually cities are zoos for human beings. And there is a depression that comes when animals are in cages and in zoos that humans share too. And if you go to nature, then you reconnect back with that inspiration and that true energy that makes you human and psychologically well-balanced. Well, then to you a bit more, because this is a very important thing. When you work on projects and when you're doing the work that you do, two things. Do you tend to notice all the details the same way that when you're walking in the park? And do you sometimes take a break feel yourself in the seat or standing and just try to reconnect with the moment as a mini break from the rat's race? Or is it forever going on and on and on until the next time you can disconnect? So two things. Do you have a similar approach of noticing all the details at work as well as taking mini breaks and mini like daydreams of walks in the park during the day? Uh, so, yes, I guess uh, my habits translate into my work. And uh, whenever I'm doing something, I tend to, not I tend to, but I always uh, pay attention to the details. Uh, it, be it the research paper, I also like writing in a wonderful way to, spot, to highlight uh, different details that might bring something interesting to, to, to the reader, for example. Um, that's that's a bit different from noticing um, the beauty of life, but uh, that is also connected to the details. And of course, when I'm working on the projects, and I tend to have a very very hectic schedule with um, um, that is the day that is planned uh, ahead. Uh, but I always schedule some breaks, some walks, uh, some moments when I can relax and clear my mind. That's very very important for. Uh, the work-life balance. So I believe that work, work-life balance should be present. And that's a very important part of our lives. 1000%. Now, I remember a friend of mine in the US, he was taking an advanced course in um, personal training and the sciences, etc. And in one of the chapters, he shared with me an idea that they speak about how if someone begins with intensity, too much intensity and no breaks, they will eventually burn out and stop. Therefore, focus with clients on consistency over intensity because doing a solid amount of work for 10 years is much better than doing superhuman work for one month and then you end up injured and burned out and hating everything that you do. So work-life balance is reminded me of this. 
what do you think yeah i i used to used to focus on intensity on this uh, crazy schedule when i'm doing 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 everything and this non-stop non-stop but then you just uh, lose the taste of life and you you lose uh, the understanding what's what's around you're you're, you're kind of lost and that's why after that i just started notice noticing and trying to live in the moment and enjoy the moment to have this balanced life because i i i realized that it's it's unbearable and not sustainable to live in this constant constant run constant run the taste of life lost those are all embodied and physical movement metaphors and so I have to ask you, and even you're doing ballet, so this is probably a very accurate guess, but please correct me if this is wrong. Are you a highly embodied person who through body movement and sensations and emotions, that's how you experience life, that's your strength in life in many ways, and that in when you're present and fully in your body, noticing all the details, that is when you're most happy. Is this correct? Yeah, that's that's exactly the exact des- description of me. I would say it's very important to feel uh, feel how how you're feeling. Yes, yeah, sorry for tautology, but that's true. Just to feel the moment, feel the muscles, what's happening, maybe the temperature. That's all wonderful. This is amazing because it means you feel sensations and emotions stronger than other people. I don't know whether people know this about you. Maybe you had like Olga Kushnir, the very serious face where you're full of emotions, <laughs> but your face is very serious. But I would even argue that you are a lot more emotional than most other people and emotions touch you at a deeper, stronger level. And sometimes if you let them just swirl around without being embodied and present, it becomes overwhelming and therefore it's important to have that balance again. Is this correct? And can you tell me more? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, some even small things can touch me. Uh, It was very, very noticeable when I was a child. And uh, you have to learn how to cope with it because sometimes you you are overwhelmed with your emotions and you you need to find a way how to find this balance. And for me, that is... Uh, there is ballet, there is walking, there is meeting new people. That that depends on the situation, but uh, there are different yeah, ways how I'm trying to um, deal with that. Perfect. And imagine this, a very cruel question. You, all the rest of your life, you can either walk in the park every day, notice the details, hear the chirping of the birds, feel the breeze. Or you can never return to the park, but you can enjoy your perfect ballet experience every day. And you have to choose one of the two. Which one would you choose? Yes, that's a cruel question, of course. But I would say that I would go for the option with the park because, of course, I can uh, imagine me doing ballet in my thoughts. Uh, there's also a power of visualization, and that can bring the same the same pleasure as doing it in real life. I have so many questions, but I'm going <laughs> to focus on one that I'm sure the listeners will be curious about. You probably set goals in your life that you go after, correct? Yeah. 
then do you use visualization like those Olympic athletes where they imagine themselves doing the activities, imagine themselves winning the gold medal to help them reach those goals? Because you mentioned visualization and the way you said it, it's a very self-development kind of way. So <laughs> I have to ask, do you, how do you set goals? Do you use visualization for achievement or for happiness or in these ways? And, and tell me more. Um, I guess um, when I was a teenager, I had a, such a milestone, not a milestone, but a very important moment when I uh, found, I was given a book called Mind Power by John Kehoe. And since then, uh, the power of mind was always fascinating me. And I, was, I started working on the power of thoughts, on how to, uh, on the consciousness and the subconscious mind, how it all works. And I started uh, reading that book, trying to understand how it works. And that is where I found out about, about the idea of visualiza visualizations also connected to the athletes, how they can be training uh, in their mind and then achieve the same results. This fascinating. And I, was, I started applying the same techniques in my life also setting up the goals, a bit of a kind of a positive thinking, how to think and how to make your thoughts materialize in, in your achievements. So that's in short. Yes. And you have more than 10 years of experience with visualization then. Therefore, <laughs> I have to ask you, do you have stories or moments that when you used your, the power of the mind, you notice real results that made you think, wow, this works, this is true, I am now convinced. Whether something old or new or doesn't have to be like the perfect example, but what thing comes to your mind? I, I remember the very first moment when I felt that, that it works. It was uh, when I was, I guess, around uh, 14 or 15, and I was thinking, I was trying to find a way um, to do volunteering because I really wanted to do some volunteering work for to contribute to the society and to develop also some, uh, develop myself to these things. And I was trying to find a way to do volunteering, but I was researching online, looking at different channels, what they offer, and there were only opportunities for people older than 18. And then I started uh, applying these practices uh, of, uh, I started, um, how is called them? Um, so I uh, seeded the, this idea of uh, me finding a way to apply my willingness to do volunteering. And it's in two weeks, I guess, or in three weeks, uh, one wonderful idea just uh, appeared in my mind that I can offer uh, volunteering, uh, my volunteering kind of services in my school. And that's where I gained my first ex experience as a uh, volunteer and an English teacher. So basically, uh, my school was running an English camp, by, but they have never thought of inviting some volunteers to help with the students and to improve the program. Um, yeah, and this idea just popped in my mind and I thought, what a wonderful idea and I can try it. And this one way how you start thinking, how your subconscious mind is, is starting to analyze uh, 
um, and is starting to analyze what you can do, how to how to apply it, how to solve this problem. And then in two weeks, three weeks or months, then your subconscious mind gives you an idea. I am sensing that you're a spiritual person because of the way you speak, but also there is pragmatic focus on detail. So I'm not <laughs> sure. Is there like a real spiritually deep side to you? Or are you more of a person who focuses on the pragmatic, practical, objective side of reality? I, I can't really say. It's, it's so difficult to say because I'm very analytical person. I'm very organized person. But then at times, I feel like I have a spiritual side of me. So maybe there are two, two Darias inside. Who knows? Yes. You have twin sister. Sometimes <laughs> you achieve a balance by staying relaxed and in the park and she goes to the work, <laughs> to your job and studies. And sometimes she stays in her yoga mat meditating because she's a spiritual one and you go do the analysis and the analytical parts. Well, Dasha, I was going to speak about ballet, but to even expand it a bit more, if you were to think in your life about the top three things that you can consider to be your favorites or the most enjoyable or that make you feel truly alive and make life worth living, what would these be? I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is meeting people and interactions with new, interesting, and maybe people uh, people with ideas and behaviors that contradict my understanding of life. That's very interesting to explore, and that's what I enjoy. The second thing is uh, I do love photography and capturing these uh, moments of life. That's uh, two obvious things that come to, to my mind. And the third one, uh, it's not that, <laughs> that easy. No problem. Two is more than plenty. <laughs> so if I understood correctly, meeting new people with ideas and behaviors, especially that contradict your own, that is very interesting to you, and capturing moments through photography, correct? Yes, yes. And which one of these do you have more stories or a richer <laughs> repertoire, as I will say, <laughs> that we can speak about a bit more? I would say any. It could be any. We were talking already about the details, so uh, I, I didn't have any preference. Yes. Okay. So I have an interview with Anastasia Sess, who does photography for the Paris Fashion Week and Milano and in Hong Kong and the Kiev International Fashion Week, etc. And she said her favorite way to take photos is to go to the museum or to nature near the sunset where there are people. And she wants to capture moments of real emotions, like two lovers looking at each other, someone being impacted by a painting, someone feeling the awe of being in the presence of a beautiful sunset and that they don't even notice her and to capture those moments of deep, true emotions where people are impacted in that positive way is to her what photography is all about. To you, if you were to explain what kind of pictures do you 
pursue or chase, and that's the wrong word to use, but <laughs> which ones do you go after that when you capture, you think, wow, this is me, this is my style, this is what I'm all about? Uh, for me, pictures is something that you cannot convey with words, so you cannot tell and explain your emotions, and you can convey it with a picture. And also, I would say, when you're looking at the pic, for me, a wonderful picture is when you're looking at it and you have it triggers something inside. So that's that's the best picture. And you spoke about composition. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. gonna speak more about that. Don't worry. But I'm curious because I'm thinking now that many photographers have a mathematical approach to composition, whether it's the rule of the third or taking the golden ratio further, etc., where they try to have more of an architectural approach to how the composition will be. But to you, you focus on details and an impact that cannot be described by words. Well, what is to you the composition that really, really works when you're taking pictures? Uh, of course, there are such fundamental things as um, this, uh, the, the rules that we are always applying, and I always, and I'm always also applying them because it makes the picture visually pleasing. And these rules of photography, they're helping to highlight the details that you want to convey. So basically, I'm also, yeah, I'm trying to spot the details and then to combine with uh, the fundamental rules of photography um, as a combination. And also, uh, I would say that, that um, the photography can be combined with meeting people and uh, socializing because I do enjoy helping people to open up and help them to show their real emotions in the pictures. For example, when we are, like usually when we are walking with our friends or, for example, going for a hike, uh, I'm always that person who is bringing the um, the moment, not, not capturing the moment, and uh, helps to capture this most precious moments in 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 the, in the process. And uh, I usually just help people to open up and uh, share their real emotions and capture those emotions in the picture. Brilliant, Elena Kochenko, who I interviewed recently, said she takes about twenty pictures every day because to her. Whenever she re revisits a picture, she can relive the moment and re-feel yeah. the special emotions of that. Is this also for you the case? And, well, you probably have thousands of pictures. So do you randomly pick? Do you have some favorite ones you revisit often? Or how do you deal with that overwhelming amount of overabundance of moments captured with pictures? Yeah, in, to, in connection to your first uh, sentence about the uh, uh, moments and this visceral moments when you can just uh, uh, look at the picture and recall what was happening, that's absolutely, absolutely, that's, that's my case. And that's one of the reasons why I'm taking the pictures. And uh, yes, I'm taking a lot of them, but of course then I'm choosing uh, the best ones that convey the... the the emotions uh, of the moment and I usually post them on my Instagram that is my I would say collection of the best moments that were happening in my life with the best people that are surrounding uh, surrounding me so I'm collecting 
these pictures or compositions uh, in my Instagram. And then I tend to come back to them, uh, look at them just to probably cheer me up. Because, for example, now um, I'm in Latvia and we have a very, very short uh, uh, day. Uh, it, it tends to be a bit gloomy. And of course, uh, we have coronavirus and uh, we uh, lots of shops and uh, cafes, uh, restaurants, theaters are closed. So you want to bring some joy to your life. And you will, when you're looking at the pictures that you've taken, you realize how happy you can be. And you have to be that happy. You should not forget that happiness is very important in your life. And you should not get into this um, routine of uh, overthinking and um, uh, red race. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So if I understood correctly, in moments like now, where the day is short in Latvia, where there is the pandemic of the coronavirus, and where you're in a rat's race or the rat's race that we're all on. It's not just uh, mm -hmm. one, it's all of humanities. And when you're overthinking and a bit forgetting to be happy, you look at those moments of happiness and you realize that, yes, you're capable of feeling that, which inspires you to feel that again and feel better and regain the emotional balance and feel happy or more happy and happier than you would be without those moments captured and pictures. Is this a correct understanding? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because sometimes when you feel a bit stressed or maybe you have a frantic schedule, then you tend you tend to like one idea, one thought can appear in your mind and that's that is like a seed, a small seed that you plant into the soil and then it starts growing and growing and growing. And the that's the seed might not be of the best quality and it might develop into self-devastating thoughts. And that might be destructive, of course. That's why it's important to reflect on what you're thinking and reflect on the moments you had in, in the past and realize that probably those thoughts are can harm you and probably that way of thinking that was present at that time was more productive or more sustainable uh, so yeah i tend to think in this way and helps to bring to bring me back to this balanced state so yeah even the pictures can uh, bring me back to this uh, balance i love that and now I'm, I'm going to try to speak more metaphorically with you because this is the second time you're speaking about seeds and seed in thoughts. So if I understood correctly, in many ways, your perspective is that there are negative seeds that will grow into self-destructive plants or good positive th seeds that will grow into good empowering thoughts. And because of the power of the mind, you try to fill your mind with positive seeds and thoughts. And therefore, when you notice you're putting the wrong seeds, you, you look at other moments to remember the positivity and extract and take seeds that will be good from there to put and uh, plant into your mind. Is this correct? Yes, yes, you should be um, a very good gardener of your of your mind <laughs> and you should be careful of which seeds you're putting in there. So yeah, you should take care of, of your garden. 
you should take care of your garden. You should be a perfect gardener. Well, tell me more. When you imagine this, since you love visualization, how, who is the gardener? Is it you? What is the garden? Does it look like Eden or heaven? Or it looks like a place, a specific place you know? Are there other gardeners and gardens around? And what do the seeds grow in? And what do you see? Do you see flowers in that garden, trees, birds? What's happening there? Um, sometimes, or usually, no, I would say usually, I imagine myself as a, as a flower um, because I'm, I'm quite tender inside, though, yeah, I might have this uh, sometimes very serious face, but inside I'm very tender like a flower, I would say. And yeah, uh, as a gardener, I imagine myself as a, as, a, as a flower that is growing. And I do want to, and all, uh, when, it, when it comes to self-development, I'm trying to strengthen myself and grow into, I would say, a tree that is stronger, that can withstand any any winds and storms and um, um, difficult turmoils and difficult moments. So I would say that now, um, uh, previously I was imagining myself as a flower that is quite vulnerable, but uh, with time and growing in a, in a stronger tree and help and how I'm doing that, I'm doing it through self-development and uh, pursuing different projects and working on my uh, conscious and subconscious mind. And that helps me to, to develop a garden that will not be destroyed by any um, wind <laughs> and storm. Perfect. So, and also please, okay, before I tell, what kind of flower is that flower? What color is it? It's uh, violet, I guess. Um, very, very light violet color. Sounds very ballerina-like. Yes. Um, I mean, I, when I th when I said uh, violet, I realized that this color is um, um, is associated with uh, being gracious, with maybe aristocracy, ballet, and uh, something like that. So it, everything is interconnected, everything that I'm doing in my life, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm, I'm imagining myself. So yeah, very, very interconnected. <laughs> Just realized that. Yes, and that's so beautiful to speak about that and discover such connections. And even before I'm going to speak about the flower and the tree and the gardener, but before that, aristocracy, nobility, is that a standard you set for yourself as well as a feeling that you have that you have those values of aristocracy and nobility or what is going on there i i would say no it's not exactly the value that i uh, i have uh, it's something very natural to me to be quite aristocratic but i'm trying to uh, develop my personality in a ways that i can be open uh, open to different uh, people and like not to set the boundaries to way, to the way I behave and uh, I can be I can naturally adjust to different situations and to different people from different walks of life so I'm trying to be very flexible in 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 terms of the way I think in terms of the way I behave so I'm not trying to establish a rigid way of my own behavior I would say that being 
elegant aristocratic is quite natural to me but then i'm trying to be uh, quite flexible diverse emotionally and uh, physically yeah thank you and that seems to me the opposite of the metaphor where you are a delicate violet that is trying to become a strong tree that can withstand storms and <laughs> heavy winds while now you're saying you, know, you were a bit more rigid and aristocratic and you're trying to become more flexible which is like going two opposite directions at the same time yeah, please comment why, how they both yeah. relate to each other that's why at, uh, at some point i said that i imagined i used to imagine i was uh, that i was a flower like that but with time this my perception or my visualization it changes and now I don't have a real picture of who I am at this very moment because I, I'm changing, I'm evolving and I'm developing. And that was a picture that I had previously uh, of, this, uh, of this flower, but now I'm, I'm changing and that's why um, the picture is changing as well. Thank you. So if you were to define what is to you elegance and being aristocratic specifically, like three characteristics to define that, as well as, do you still think of yourself as a gardener as well? Or is that gone with the winds of the, <laughs> gone with the flower? Oh, what? How to describe the aristocracy? <laughs> um, that's about the manners. That's about the way, you're the way you behave and speak. I'm not really de devoting a lot of time to thinking um, about aristocracy because it comes naturally, uh, naturally to me, I would say. And when it comes to gardener, that's, that's the idea that comes to my mind when I'm thinking about thoughts and thoughts that are coming, uh, that are arising in my mind and I just need to take care of them. I need to understand that some thoughts are, are sustainable and some of, some of those are not. So in a way, uh, yeah, the metaphor of gardener is present. But of course, uh, we can uh, develop different visualizations for different um, uh, purposes. Yeah. Great. And to focus on manners that represent to you elegance and aristocracy. And it comes natural to you, of course. But if you were to describe it compared to someone who doesn't have those manners, what are some examples of things you do that you consider to be elegant? I, I would say you could uh, take an example of a, of a British person uh, with, who is always saying thank you and sorry, uh, being respectful and polite, uh, the person who is respecting what other people is doing, uh, maybe... Maybe I have my own understanding of, uh, of aristocracy. Maybe it's more shifted towards the idea of being uh, polite, understanding and respectful of other people, and even respectful of uh, the talents of other people, of the possibilities of other people, that they can also achieve different things. So it's, it's shifting from the, the basic idea of aristocracy, but for me, it's more about respect and politeness yeah if to outline <laughs> yeah respect and politeness like a british person but your own definition of aristocracy and 
also respect for the potential, talent, and possibilities of every person you meet. Is this correct? Yes, yes. You should look at, at the inside of the person, not only at the outside, because some people can underestimate themselves uh, and you have to see that golden seed inside them that, that is there hiding and, and has not been yet realized. The yeah. potential and looking inside them. Well, does it mean that you as a person... When you feel connection, whether with friends or people, etc., you don't almost don't even see the outside, but you focus on what is inside much more. Or is it both the outside on the in and the inside? Or how do you view people? Are people to you energies? Are people to you potential and possibilities? Are people to you manners and elegance? Uh, are people to you? exchanges of experiences or how would you define how you perceive people all around you and in the world for me for me people are very very interesting interesting personalities that have many many different um, angles and facets that you you could explore because people can reveal and shed light to some new ideas that you have never encountered and you have never thought of or the people that you are meeting they can change the way you perceive something or maybe change the way you're doing something and it's very important to look at uh, to explore people and explore uh, their way of thinking and their perceptions and when i'm meeting new people i'm trying not to look at um, the outside not just to scratch the surface, but to look at the inside and uh, what they are thinking, what they are feeling. Maybe, um, yeah, I'm trying to be empathetic to understand them more. So understanding of people is very, very important for me. Understanding of people and being empathetic towards the way they think, the way they feel, and maybe they can shed a light on new ideas. And to me, the image that came to mind in the way that you described it, it's like a multifaceted jewel or diamond. Yes. Yes, that's the way you were describing it. Can you tell me more about that? Because that yes was so excited. <laughs> because uh, when I was thinking about what I want to say, I, I imagined it in my head, but you put it nicely into words that it's a jewel, that's a gem with many, many facets that you can explore. And if you're just looking at just the one side, you will see, yes, one side. But there are many, many sides that you can explore and that can reveal so many interesting things. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for such metaphor. This uh, wonderful conclusion to what I said. Thank you. It actually <laughs> even remind me of the uh, uh, Trillion Cut, which is 50 facets to a gem. So I guess that's a wonderful way. And it's even very, very spiritual what you're saying, because even in Buddhism, they consider that people and consciousness and reality is something that has so many facets you can explore. And when you spoke about exploration, I want to go deeper there. When you're exploring, is it still the metaphor of a gem? Or is it maybe you're walking into different gardens that, like you mentioned previously, and checking out 
the birds there and the breeze <laughs> and the small details or what's going on there? Uh, it's like exploring a new city. I would say a small city with many, many narrow, uh, narrow, narrow streets. When you're just walking, walking in, in a maze of the old town and you're walking to one street and you're seeing uh, a picture on, on, on the wall of the building or maybe some uh, carvings there and they you're fascinating by seeing the, those things. And then you're walking, you're turning to the right and then you come to a new uh, small road, not road, but a narrow street. And then you see some interestingly designed windows or some interesting shops or, um, yeah, just uh, the first... Uh, idea that came to my mind is the uh, is the old town with narrow streets and uh, interesting interesting carvings paintings uh, sculptures maybe old town with the interesting streets and you said fascinated fascinating windows etc many things well mm -hmm. what is it to you when you're fascinating when you're fascinated how is that feeling for you? And even further, you mentioned previously when you meet people, their ideas and ways of being can, in a way, enrich and evolve your own thoughts and your own ideas. Well, going back to the old town metaphor, do you borrow some of those architectures and spots and add them to your own city? Or how is the metaphor of their idea uh, evolving your own ideas and injecting new perspectives into your thoughts? I believe that you have to surround yourself with people that motivate you to grow and motivate you to develop. And I'm trying to absorb absorb all the positive practices, for example, they say they have or maybe values or maybe something that special that they have, and I'm trying to apply it in my life as well because because it enriches uh, it enriches myself. And I, I think, as I said, it's very very important to have people that motivate you and that uh, and inspire you. Uh, like surround yourself yourself with those people. That's very important. And I explore those people and I know that people have many unique things inside them. And I know that I can learn from them. And yeah, life is a constant learning process and I'm learning from every person I meet and I get inspired and that helps me to grow and pursue many other different projects or in general pursuits. Brilliant. So growth, learning and are very important to you. Why mm -hmm. is learning and self-development and constant growth important to you? It seems to me, but you said that tree metaphor is no longer relevant. You said you want to be a strong tree that can withstand the strong winds and the storms. But now there is something else going on since that tree is ancient history. So <laughs> can you mention why is learning and developing and learning from people and from books so important for you? I was thinking that uh, I'm the person who is always trying to challenge myself and explore my own potential. And I am always trying new things and then seeing how much more things I can do or how much more uh, new things I, I can learn. So, for example, uh, uh, whenever 
when I was um, in the first year in my university, I was um, involved in five different organizations because I wanted to learn and wanted to challenge myself and uh, uh, develop my own my skills and contribute to give back to the to the university. And I was uh, involved in five organizations and still. When I was involved in those five organizations, I still had a uh, wonderful um, social life and also managed to sustain my uh, academic uh, standing, uh, academic achievements. And I'm always trying to engage myself in something new to see how much more I can do, how much more I can achieve. And yeah, I would say that in some way I'm scoring some, exploring some human potential Fantastic. What I am hearing now, and please correct me if this is wrong, it seems to me that the basic thing that is most valuable for you, like basic in terms of foundational, is to explore your own potential, be curious about how much more you can do, and to explore other people's potential, and be curious about all they can do and that they can be much more than they already are and to help yourself and them get into higher and higher potential and as well as realization of potential knowing that there is always more possible and it's a there is no limit to improvement as Moshe Feldenkrais wrote in the elusive obvious that you cannot find an end to the human improvement potential because there is always a next level and there is always more possible. Can you comment on this as well as define potential? Because this word to you is absolutely very meaningful and very personal. And therefore, there is a meaning there that has uniqueness that I would like you to share. What is potential as well as comment on whatever I shared? Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you can limit yourself. For example, if we come back to those thoughts, your thoughts can limit yourself and you can set some boundaries that are non-existent. You are just setting the boundaries that do not exist and you limit what you can actually achieve. And uh, some people can do that. And I was doing that when I was a teenager. And then when I started working on myself, I realized that we have to eliminate those thoughts that are creating those boundaries. And we can do much, much more things in our life. And for example, I remember this um, uh, quote that is saying um, from the Ukrainian um, uh, poet, he's saying that you need to aim at the top and you'll get uh, the middle. So you have to aim at something very big and then you might achieve, you can achieve many, many, many other things. And that's why I, after such a realization, I was trying, I was a student ambassador and I was doing many presentations uh, with an aim to help high school students to see how many possibilities there are in this world and how many things they can do. They just need to notice them and they have just, they just need to use those opportunities for example, if they want to apply abroad, but they think that their financial status is limited or they cannot afford that, it's not. It's not the case. It's not the case. You can. You can 
I can show it with my example that you can receive three scholarships that can fully finance your studies and you can uh, achieve what you wanted to achieve, that you, you should not set the boundaries yourself. It can be self-destructive. It can limit what you can actually do. So it's very, very important to destroy those barriers that you are creating yourself in your mind and you have to move further. Maybe if you find this visualization helpful, then visualize how you are achieving the success and just move further and further to your goal and just not set the boundaries and move and just realize full your potential. This is the main reason why I was doing many presentation and presentations and why I'm still a student ambassador visiting different schools and uh, uh, talking to students and helping them to understand that there are many possibilities. There are many, many possibilities, and they just have to try and use those possibilities. Really, really amazing. So if I could summarize what I understood, when you were a teenager or an early teen, you had in your mind limitations on yourself that when you began to self-develop and to try to take advantage of opportunities, you found that those limitations are not real and therefore you began breaking them and therefore you also notice the importance of being a gardener because those limitations come from putting the wrong seed which will destroy your life rather than the positive good seed which will show you your limitless potential and this encouraged you to notice that if this happened to you it means other people too they don't realize their potential and all they can do and they have limits they impose on themselves that are not real and those limits are blinding them in many ways so in many ways you are shedding the light on those limits showing them the potential and the opportunities and the possibilities so that just like you they can notice realize and be almost shocked at all the possibilities they have and therefore they can grow more and more into their potential creating a better world because more people will be doing more helping more creating more goodness in this world and showing others through being a role model that limits are an illusion and are a sad seed <laughs> that is destroying <laughs> lives while the right seed by you putting that in yourself and giving it to others and others giving it them sharing those seeds as well. The world will be a beautiful garden and it won't be just an old city, but I guess you chose that because of your aristocratic thoughts. <laughs> so it goes in that way. And please comment whether this was a fair understanding and if there is anything more you'd like to add. That's uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful summary. I was listening to, to it with a great, like, great pleasure. And I, I think that you summarize it very, very nicely. And just, I do believe that people have to seize the opportunities and they have to use them and do not create those limits that not, do not exist. They're just illusions. Yes. Thank you. And to end this, do you have another advice or a deeper advice or a quote that you revisit often or anything that you can share with the listeners in addition to this facet 
of breaking barriers and limits. Maybe there is another different facet to the gem you can share right now that can also touch a person in a different, from a different perspective to maybe also add a richer um, view on a better life and help them progress in their potential and evolve and develop and learn. I would say that you, uh, the thing that can, I, they can, I can advise maybe to people is that you have to explore your mind and explore your conscious and subconscious mind. It's, it has amazing power and your thoughts have amazing power. And if you put effort into developing uh, and uh, mastering this skill of uh, this uh, mastering your mind power, you would be able to achieve many, many things. You, you, you have to, all people have talents. Uh, you have to put effort into developing those talents, and then your achievements will be there. Thank you. Through grit, but remembering to be balanced and being in the moment, walking in the park, noticing the little things so that you recharge yourself and you can have consistency and longevity rather than intensity and burnout, which mm -hmm. seems like people think that's the way to uh, reach their full potential, but they forget that if they w do it too much, then they end up doing nothing, which is worse than doing <laughs> moderately, but forever. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Any final thoughts, as well as if people want to communicate with you, to connect with you, to learn more, what would be the best links that I will write in the description as well? I would like to thank you. Thank you very much for such a wonderful podcast and inviting people and sharing the ideas of Ukrainians. That's a great, great pursuit. I do appreciate it. And if people want to connect or to talk or discuss anything, I'm always open. And you can write to me via LinkedIn or you can visit my uh, page on uh, Instagram. That is perfecto uh, underscore D or Daria Shevetko. Uh, I'm always happy to talk and discuss and, and even meet if it's possible. <laughs> Thank you. And I wish you a great day. Well, you can put the right seeds and let go and just uh, transform the wrong seeds and not just throw them away, that's a waste, but find a way to transform them through perspectives into something even better that will be right for you to grow. Thank you. Thank you too.